Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Kia ora and welcome to the Aotearoa Rugby Pod once again on Sky Sport and Rugby Pass big week to talk about. We've got the Mata 2 win in the final out of nowhere. How did that happen and how will we see progression and evolving times in women's rugby off the back of Opeki? We'll have a look at what happened in Super Rugby Pacific as well. Should we be selecting All Blacks from Japan considering the amount of them that next year will be playing over there? The response to our Mount Rushmore question, what's happening at the moment with Moana Pacifica? That seems to be going off the rails. And also, if we've got a little bit more time, we're going to do a few wacky questions we've had from YouTube from some of the uh, viewers and listeners who love the pod and have plenty to say about what we have to say. So before we get going, to my left, blues legend James Parsons. <laughs> How are <laughs> Very, very well. And over in Japan, six-time Super Rugby champion and straight out of the sin bin into the pod, it is Bryn Hall. <laughs> Yeah, g'day lads. Yeah, I was a bit of a naughty boy yesterday, so thankfully it didn't um, didn't have a massive influence on, on our boys losing the game. So good win for us yesterday in, in terrible conditions. So ten men rugby, a lot of Kate, a lot of um, box kicks is uh, like down south. So let's start off with Matatu and how they beat the Manawa. Unbelievable, Matatu! really. No one predicted it for five weeks, and here we are. The Manawa—they're not the champions. Yeah, very strange, um, and it's probably not. I don't want to take away from the Matsu winning, but it's probably some of the Manawa's defensive behaviours that probably put them in trouble. Um, you know, they had you know 16 penalties, um, which gave those opportunities. Which th those threes were the difference. Um, the Matsu tackled at 90%, and they they managed to have a hell of a lot more run metres. Um, I think they averaged about just under seven run metres per carry versus three and a half. Uh, for Manawa, which those are reverse stats of what we'd seen in previous weeks. So they certainly brought something on attack and defence, but it was that ill-discipline that, that gave them the opportunities, and um, in the end, that was the difference. But they still had a, a chance to win it. They put themselves in a position to win it, but missed that kick. Yeah, two goal kicks. Two of them. The last one, particularly, Bryn, that was a gimme. That, that's a throwover. You know, getting into a position to just win the game, and you, know, you come back and score that line-out more try. And then get the opportunity to have that penalty to win it. To me, to be honest, I much of two. I think, thankfully for them, it was probably the right decision. That ball not going over, and that's not me having one eye. It's just <laughs> the fact in that moment for that penalty, there were three instances where um, penalties should have been given away, or there was a uh, interference off the ball that I saw in that last 80th minute. So watching that game, I was like, much of two. And they've just been dodged. I mean, they've, um, they've been gutted here with that decision making. But um, I thought the the were played a little bit tight in that last 10 minutes. Uh, some uncharacteristic probably errors um, in that second half uh, probably led to that as well, and along with um, Renee Holmes getting some pretty crucial penalty kicks to, to put it with a little bit of a buffer. But I thought Duplessis and Brooker are just, wow, man. Like, Duplessis, I think she had nine carries for 67 metres, 11 tackles, which was just two behind Kendra Reynolds. 
Um, being an open side, you expect them to have a hell of a lot. And then six carries for Booker for 92 metres. So, well, I don't know, they, they definitely you know, penetrated. They kept the ball alive once they got in behind that defence. And those were key moments that actually led to tries and, and you know, were a big difference in the end. It was an incredible performance considering, Brim, they only won one game in the round robin. I know it's a very short round robin, there's only three games, but to have a champion that has only won one game from the round robin, is that a good thing or is that a bad thing? Oh, well, I think for the competition, you'd like to obviously have more than just your four teams that go straight into a semi-final, I think. Um, you know, we talk around in the top eight, being able to have teams that might win three or four games, but are in the dance, and that's a perfect example of being able to be in semi-final football and being able to play whether your record's good or not. But, um, you know, I think for the, I look at the Matatu last year, a lot of their games, and even this year, they were, they were close, and they, they weren't just, they were just losing games and not being able to find a way to win. Uh, but again, they have had a lot of success. A lot of those players have been in the, the Canterbury system, been able to play in MPC finals and understanding what finals footy's like. And I thought I thought um, the ability of that and I guess the likes of Brooker coming back, who I, th who I thought was a massive injection for that group, not only defensively, but the attacking ability that she was able to have, have him penetrate um, with Amy Duplessis, who I think is, man, her work rate is, is tremendous for an outside back. And so... I think they'll be crucial um, for that for that Black Ferns. But I thought, yeah, Duplessis had a great had a great um, Alpukio. I thought. I think we've got to be mindful that the Matatu actually pushed the Chiefs' Manoa quite hard in Real Robin. They they were ahead for the majority of that game, and it was it was actually probably the ill discipline of the Matatu on that occasion that led to them. You know, it just gave the Chiefs the ability to plug the corner and go to their rolling mall and it was it was all over. And in the end, it was a bit of a deficit. So there's something about their style of play that troubled. Mm. The Manawa, and on their day they just got it right, and, and they, you know, I, I just think the Manawa got it wrong. You know, they just challenged areas a little bit too hard and, and didn't adjust the referee, and um, probably could have been pinged a few mm. more times. I know you think that, Bryn. You know, there was there was quite a few opportunities where it could have um, been a penalty the other way. So, um, yeah, I, I, it's a good way to spice up the comp. But, mm. You know, they haven't lost. This is their first loss and it was a final. It's, it's, um, it is crazy to think, but it certainly, um, I think it m makes it exciting and, and that the depth is growing. It's not just in one region and they got better throughout the tournament. Um, so yeah, looking forward to where that competition may end up in, in the future. You know, the, the one thing a lot of the male game gets is it's too defence orientated, mm. um, you know, and that's why there's uh, you know, a desire to increase ball and play. Um, so you don't want defence taking over um, and, and changing that because I think that's, that's its point of difference. Um, but I think, you know, as all coaches and players, you, you'll want to shore up. You, you won't want to be um, leaking as many points as that. So I think that's the progression. But if you use Paul's try on the weekend, the body's in motion. Yeah. You know, a little ID, you know, centre coming down, second five popping out, and then out of the blind shot, you know, um, Paul pops up on the shoulder and runs straight through. We just weren't seeing that innovation last season, and, and I think that's, you know, even um, Amy Rule's try, if you watch, the first pod gets on the outside of the, about the fifth Chiefs defender, and that shortens the defensive line, um, and then the halfback has to slip in, and then the uh, um, Chiefs halfback is on um, Amy Rule. It's a not, not a fair contest, and, and 
there's a player inside, so she gets caught in two minds and then straight through. But those little understanding how to manipulate the defense, they need to get on that outside to trap those defenders to create that opportunity. Um, you know, is is awesome to see in terms of the, the tactical side of the game improving. I think the goal kicking is probably one area um, all teams are able to get a little bit better. And I think it wasn't just Willison on the weekend. Um, there was also Rohe de Mont missed a kick uh, pretty relatively easily um, to be able to try win a game as well. So. Hopefully a little bit more when it comes to the goal kicking. That's probably one area that um, they need to assure up a little bit. But I've really enjoyed the attacking kicks. Um, you know, Hazel Tudor was great for the uh, for the Manoa this year. And then even Dallin Jerry and even Rosie Kelly had the opportunity to do that as well. And, you know, DeMont and even the other outside backs were able to kick as well. So that's been a great progression that I think um, we'll see a continuation and even uh, get a lot better and extend that competition. Who was your favourite player this year? Who was the player of the competition for you? I found this hard. Like there were so many, um, you know, quality players. That, you know, I do talk about that midfield of Matatu, and I think you know Brooker's injury and coming back and the way she's performed is exciting. But I just can't go past Amy Rule, man. Her stats. I think she had 11 carries, which were the most on the weekend. Um, you know, seven seven tackles, which was extremely high. I know they struggled at set piece, but I think without her there, they wouldn't even have won their own ball. The skill set around the field, there's just so many elements of her game that has improved. She looks like she's just loving playing. Um, she's going over, I think, to play for the Brumbies as well. So she's, she's one of those players that just wants to play. So I think I'd go her just behind her as Luca Connor as well. Um, I thought she, I've got to look after the tight five, of course, lads. Um, but I, I think Luca Connor was outstanding. Not, not only um, her set piece, like they ran at 100% again on the final, you know, line out throwing's quality versus, you know, about 66%. So I think you've got to acknowledge that she's really good at her core roles, but she's great. That little run around, around the breakdown, and she's got a couple of turnovers at the breakdown as well. So uh, and she's a complete package for me at the moment, Luca Connor as well. Mm -hmm. And she loves to get on the back of a line out drive. Yeah, but uh, she does, I always have this discussion with people. It's not as easy as they think. Like when your head's in there and you're having to work out how many times do you see like people dive on the five meter line or something like it. It's, there's an art to it, and she is bloody good at it. Yeah, I was terrible at it, but <laughs> that's why I've got federal tries. But um, yeah, she, it's, it's a skill. It's a skill. <laughs> I think he's arguing too much about it. It does require seven forwards in front of her to do a really good job as well, of course. <laughs> Oh, um, that's great, that's great knowledge from you there, Jeff. We talked a lot around the outside backs, you know, I love, I love the Blues outside backs, Bar Paula and Policy, who were, who were great, and then um, you've obviously got all the other outside backs that we've talked around, you've got Paul, um, Willison, and all those kind of players, but I think for me, Matatu, I don't think Matatu won without Grace Brooker this year, and I think she was massive for that group, um, just around whether it be defensively or just her um, ability to be able to give the advantage of, but then also her distribution in, in triple threat game, I think was a real um, massive key in them winning that game. Talked about Amy Dupasee as well, um, but then I think another one that I did enjoy was Jenkins as well. She was someone that I uh, really enjoyed watching, and she was really robust and could be someone that obviously hopefully jumps into that McFin squad. And, um, but I know that's all the Matatu players, but um, I think also Hazel Chubik at 10 for the Chiefs. I think what she can bring um, with that kicking game um, could be pretty pivotal when the Black fans obviously Ruhe the Mont's there, but whether they can put her at 15, Renee Holmes is there as well, but I think having that backup option with Chubik, I thought she did a great time at as well, Opiki as well, sorry. It was a wonderful Opiki, great competition. Super Rugby Civic now carries on, becomes the centre of our focus really, because it's been a busy few weeks with the Six Nations and Opiki and Pacific going on. 
Boy, uh, the Brumbies Crusaders promised as ever to be a classic. Then the Brumbies sent over a team lacking seven Wallabies or whatever it was. And really that probably sucked the life out of this game. And that could well be a story for a number of games so far during Super Rugby Pacific. And if you look at the weekend and you look at the way the games played out, and I think certainly if you look to compare it to the way the Warriors in the NRL had a huge crowd, even had all blacks in the stands. It, it is it's a difficult sell, this mass resting thing from both sides of the Tasman Jipper. Yeah, um, I mean, no player can play every game. Like, mm. let's let's make that really clear. And I think there's a there's a number of players. Um, it is individual specific. I know there's the two weeks, um, but potentially it's misunderstood a little bit. Um, but you've got to pick and choose the opposition you do it against. It's a tough trip to Christchurch. We all know that. Thought they stayed in the fight longer than I probably expected, and that was probably just the Crusaders weren't on song as much as they'd like. Um, but um, I, I've, I am a firm believer. You just look through history of Super Rugby, man. If you don't give guys a crack and you need them to step up finals time, um, yeah, I, mm. every player will need a rest. It's not just the All Blacks. At some stage, there's other players resting, but everyone obviously notices the All Blacks as such. But at times during the season, you run into weekends where the competition loses its momentum because so many teams are doing it. And then you have next to that lopsided games like 59-0, Hurricanes versus Minor Pacifica. And it's, it becomes a bit of a difficult watch. You're probably the toughest week if you're talking around um, competitiveness and even the, the quality, I guess, of, of the rugby and the, and the star power. You know, you look at the Crusaders at the moment, you know, eight of the All Blacks with Ethan Blackhead have been injured now. They're out, you know, those are big selling points of being able to put teams or even people in junior want to be able to come to games because you want to watch the All Blacks. And so, um, yeah, it's a little, it's, just, it's tough, but I guess at the same time, um, you know, with the Brumbies, they rested. That's one thing that I was very surprised with them resting. Um, a lot of their, um, a lot of their players, especially with coming out of Christchurch and how successful they've been and maybe wanting to see that the Crusaders are a little bit underdone with the All Blacks and injuries and that. But again, uh, like Jip said, I think you've got to be able to balance your squad right and giving guys opportunities throughout the year to then come finals time. They've at least had some form of experience and been able to play in those, I uh, guess, hotly contested matches. So, but it was a little bit tough. It's, you know, when you do see the Warriors, you know, they pack out a Mount Smart and you see a great, a great fan base being able to go up there and you're looking at Eden Park and it's pretty much empty around that, you know, so I guess, but it comes back to the point around, um, you know, the players that are in, that are playing. And then obviously, I guess the brand of, of footy as well, which was um, probably just wasn't to the, to the stand of where it's been the last couple of weeks. I think we should probably blame you, Bryn, because <laughs> you won six titles and it's just not fun coming to Christchurch. So the Brumbies Wallabies said, no, thank you. <laughs> well, I, I, well, the fact they were undefeated, I, I can understand, I think, um, Larkin actually brought up in the post-match saying that we needed to be able to rest players and this was kind of the plan around it and giving guys opportunities to be in that environment to see how they go. Um, they just probably didn't get it right. So, But yeah, I think Brumbies and Crusaders rivalries, it doesn't matter who really is playing. Um, it's always a hotly contested rivalry in between internally between the players. But yeah, it was a, um, a little bit disappointing in that respect. Not when Lester Fionnuku is going down Channel 1. Yeah. <laughs> Holy dooly. Uh, the, the open side of... The open side of the Brumbies just sold as other defenders. 
um, down the river because he went so hard into that space. It just created such a big disconnect from the backline defenders. I think it was the, the hooker in the first instance and then it was a blindside winger in the second instance. And they must have just been going, cheers, mate. Because like, like, if you're at the back of the tail of the line-out, you've almost got to slide sideways and buy time for you guys to connect that seam. Mm. And he just flew out at Cody and then Cody just <laughs> throws it off twice. You know, like you'd think you'd learn from the first time, but um, man, he just did not miss that, that seam. He just hit it. And kept fighting and the second one was probably more impressive because he had a lot more bodies to, to get rid of. When you look at his all-round skill set, on top of his obvious potency with ball in hand, has he got everything that he needs? Yeah, I think he's back. I, I think it helps also that um, he's not chopping and changing between midfield. Um, I, I think you can have both Caleb and Leicester in, in the squad come the end of the year and, and I think you know, they, they are different wingers and they're out and out left wingers. Yeah. Um, Leicester also has the ability to play midfield but I think you know, giving him the one role focus on it, as long as he can stay there back to back weeks for the Crusaders. Um, he's pretty hard to ignore. Holy dooly, like that's, that's like they're not a bad team, the Rumbies. The Blues aren't a bad team the week before. You know, like he is, he's, he's, he's on serious fire. So is Caleb. Um, it's just how that mix looks. I think you've got to find space for both of them. Um, where Will Jordan's at, we don't know. Mark Talaire's obviously um, carving up. Um, you know, there's the Sean Stevenson, Damian McKenzie, Stephen Perifetta log jam. So whatever that looks yep. like, I'm not too, not too sure at this stage, but I think there's room for both of those players. Mm. When you look at Formbrin right now, and you feel like Richie Morton is maybe a little bit behind at the moment. Having that element makes you think that that opens up a chance for a guy like Stevenson at 15 because that access of, of Morton and Barrett at 10 and 15 doesn't feel like a shoo-in right now. Well, I, I, obviously, Richard, we wanted to play a little bit better. Obviously, at the Brumbies, he had a great game against the Blues and I guess in those big games, he's... he's he goes very good in that, and obviously was a little bit off on the weekend, but he'll, he'll bounce back for that. But I don't think... I think the biggest thing around for a guy like Sean Stevenson, if, if Will Jordan can't come back, I think if for whatever reason the injury doesn't happen, I think then Sean's a perfect person to be able to then come into the All Blacks because he can slot in as an out-and-out 15, but then going into that winger role like um, like Will Jordan would do. So, And that's um, where he I performed think, well, Bryn, for the AB's 15. Yep. Like if we think back to that tour. Yep. He was outstanding. You'd have to think, obviously, Richie and, and, and Bodie are definitely um, going to be in the squad. And then you're talking around the wingers of Caleb Clark, Mark Talia. You have to think Leicester Whanganuku. And then it comes really down to the your third 10, your Damian McKenzie and your Stephen Perifetta. Those two battling out within a Sean Stevenson. Does he, is he battling out with those guys there? So um, with Will Jordan, I think if Will Jordan isn't selected, then I think a guy like Sean Stevenson, he's probably a perfect guy that can probably jump in. And I think given the chance at the rugby championship, it would be perfect for him. There's a little bit of time, get him in the squad, be able to see how he goes, and then, you know, if it works out, you can have a Nehi Milner Scudder or a Sevier East George Bridge when they were first selected in that um, 2019 year. Looking at next year, speaking of Richie heading overseas, we've got Smith, Barrett overseas, we've got rumours now that RTS could be going to Japan. We've got all of these people who are, you know, central parts of New Zealand rugby right now heading over to Japan. Should we have a rule similar to the Gitto clause that was forever over in Australia where you can select a player who's done long service? So that might rule out a person like RTS, but a person like Bowden Barrett, it seems like they've said no to it, but should there be a rule to allow someone like that to play for the All Blacks from Japan? Oh, I personally like the way it is at the moment, um, just purely because it's, it's, it will be hard to play, and this is nothing, I mean, Bryn can actually talk to this better than I am, he's playing in the Japanese top league, but 
I don't think it would prepare you as well for international rugby as, say, Super Rugby would prepare you, Bryn. Yeah. And I think yeah. that's the biggest thing, yes. is we can't fall behind. And if you look at everyone that's probably had a sabbatical, it's taken a few months to get back up to speed. Um, so I'm not saying there is no future with it not happening, um, but I, I, you know, there's also, with one lever you pull, to keep a small amount of players, how many then start to go offshore and our NPC struggles, our Super Rugby struggles? Yeah, and the sponsors don't necessarily get the pay. What do you think, Bryn, you know, being over in Japan and seeing the play over there, do you think that the play over there is of a level where you could walk out of that and into test footy for New Zealand? If you're an experienced person and, you know, know your, know your routine and a, a very professional understanding of what it looks like for you for a week to week, you can probably get away with it. But, you know, the... The pace over here is very quick, but the physicality and I guess the, the level of standard is probably a little bit lower than obviously your, your Super Rugby. So to be able to, if you're playing here all year round and then you're going to be able to come into the All Blacks environment, um, unless I think if you're a very experienced person and know your routine and what it looks like for you to be able to, doesn't really matter where you're playing, um, it will be not too bad. But I think you are right. It does take players a little bit to acclimatise back into that high tempo, high physicality and being able to play at that level. Um, it takes a little bit longer. But at the same time, you know, I could probably imagine Razor would be thinking around, you know, he wouldn't mind having a Richie Moanga or a Bowden Barrett being able to play um, post the World Cup, you know. So whether there are rules around if it's a 50 capper, 50 cats to the All Blacks, where you're given a service of 100 games at super rugby level, um, it might open that window. And having those conversations, you know, it's probably a little bit more opening, open-minded around that now. I think probably five years ago, I was in, you know, in Jipper's case where, you know, if you start opening up doors, then it, you know, it goes into your NPC, your Super Rugby, and the quality of having players and being able to stick them around. But I definitely think there could be a conversation where um, there are some players and there might be a, a ghetto law or a kind of caps or international caps that you do play. Because I think, you know, we probably want to say, you know, Richie's 28 and you, you know, probably got his best rugby ahead of him and maybe three, four years on another World Cup campaign. We'd love to have a player like that to be able to play for the All Blacks. So, but yeah, I guess we'll see what happens in that space. I think there's probably a couple of players that, help the argument that it's doable is probably like a Quade Cooper, um, Cotton mm. Betty. Um, you know, they certainly came mm. back and performed yeah. very well at international level. you got Quagga Smith in your team. He's obviously probably going to go to the World Cup straight out of Japanese rugby, right? Yeah, yeah he is. And like, well, again, he's, he's, he's unbelievable. And I guess his, the good thing about Quagga is he just understands his body. He knows what he needs. And then he's got a good ability to be able to, he's had experience of going to Japan and doing that for what, four or five years now. So he's got the experience around it. And you can do it. Uh, but I just think, you know, if we have a lot of people that head over there, I think, you know, if it's not just, you know, you kind of one or two people that you've seen in sabbaticals in New Zealand, if there's 10, 15 players that are headed over, look at like, you look at like South Africa, they play all around the world. It is a little bit harder to be able to then come back and I guess acclimatise to playing a rugby championship or going into World Cup, um, just playing a kind of Japanese league. You know, I don't know if Bryn would have hung around as long as he did had there been the opportunity. Or not. Do you know Definitely what I mean? Not. And that's, I think a, that's, one of that's the a six time title winning nine yeah. that you want yeah. teaching the next level no. going back to Harbour you know if you look at Louis, Louis Joltimer who was at Harbour under Bryn for a number of years didn't play hardly any footy he's now carving up in the premiership Yeah, without that apprentice, apprenticeship with Bryn like they used to get there you know 40 odd minutes before everyone and Bryn would take him through all his drills and he just got better and better and better Bryn's not there he doesn't get that opportunity he's not doing what he's doing now mm. it, is a, it, is, it is a powerful part of why we're so strong. Yeah, you probably, well, you had that with Kevy, did you? Yeah, 100%. Tom McCartney as well. Yeah. You know, like, massively. So, 
I just they're they're obviously we want to keep the best players. Like I, I want to keep them as well, um, but the flow on a field can impact our whole rugby ecosystem, which would you know need a rethink. Mm. It's interesting that the conversations are obviously happening behind closed doors because some of the players are asking for it. Why wouldn't you? Know, you negotiated a deal, why wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and you got a sabbatical in the past. I'd probably try too. <laughs> got a sabbatical in the past, you yeah. might as well try the next step, right? Yeah. Yeah, so it appears to be working that way. Let's move on to the Waratahs against the Chiefs. Same night, same night as the Crusaders-Brumbies game. It was 24-14 to the Chiefs over the Waratahs. The Chiefs weren't as slick. No, they just couldn't get their game going. Like I, I worked with Angus Tarvel, um on the weekend and I and sort of spoke to him and, and we just sort of spoke about every time they were just about to crack the Waratahs' defence, they'd knock it on mm. or, or lose it at the breakdown. So um, it, it, is a, it is a tough place to go. Like the, and, and we've talked about how the Waratahs are desperate. Like They're fighting for everything. Not saying the Chiefs aren't, but they, they gave some guys some opportunities. Um, to, uh, to get out of there 24 14, I think they'll be happy. You know, undefeated. Yeah. Um, everyone in their squad's playing really well, which makes selection hard. Um, once they can get through managing the squad, I think once they can get up and running um, of a consistent 23, they are, they are going to be tough to stop the Chiefs. And obviously, you know, they dominated a lot of that, that, that game, and obviously the Waratahs just really stuck in there and made it a real, a real niggly fight to be able to just hang in there. And obviously, Sean Stevenson with that grubber ices the game. But I think. You look at some teams that have kind of haven't played well and they've dropped games. You look at the Crusaders, they dropped it against the Fijian draw. And then you look at the Blues, they didn't drop the game as a quality Brumby side, but they were favoured in that match. So, you know, you could easily say that the Waratahs could have pinched that one away and then they don't finish five from five. So it just shows, I think, at the moment that the Chiefs, um, they've been able to grow depth with bringing in players, giving them opportunities, and then still been able to win, um, win ugly, and I guess go five from five and but still be in the form team and being able to get a win like that will be pretty important in going against the Blues, which will be a massive um, grudge match, which is always in, which it always is in Hamilton. Statistically, totally agree with that. Like, there'll be legends coming in left, right and centre. Like, this is, this game is big for both teams. Like, there's a lot of feeling behind it. So it's about controlling that during the week, but I don't think there'll be any lack of motivation. Um, they would have probably swum home to play this game. Do you know what I mean? Like, is, there's that much desire in it. But if you look at the Chiefs, though, Bryn, they had 61% possession, one clean break. Mm. If you look at the past weeks, they probably had about 45 and 13 or 14 mm. a- a- average. So yeah. their game just couldn't get going. So I think that shows... And, but they fought to win. But the key for me is they tackled at 92%. And I know people hate saying this, but defence, honestly, if you're tackling at those levels, you are going to be tough to beat, even if you're playing poorly with ball in hand. So, although it wasn't pretty on attack, the steal and the resolve they showed defensively and, you know, the breakdown to get crucial turnovers, um, there's a lot to like about that performance as well. The Drua versus the Highlanders. Now, I stuffed this up in my picks. I was like, oh, I was 50-50 on it and I decided to roll the dice and have a crack at the Drua based off I suppose what we'd seen the previous two weeks, and I was so wrong. How much does it say for you know like adversity so close to kickoff? Captains run, they lost players. The day of the game, they lost players. That you know sort of galvanises a team. Mm. You know, like um, you look at the front row, like Degroot and Ainsley were amazing. Lenny Upperside was huge. Um, Tucker. Um, filling in late at lock, uh, um, Nakora Broughton. Like, he, here's a guy that was playing for the Barbarian under 20s last year, you know, and played unbelievably well, pushed hard for player of the tournament. Now he's down there. That little grubber, you know, I don't know, like, they're just, 
I feel like the mojo's back. Aaron Smith is, he orchestrated pretty much every try apart from the grubber through. Like it was either him, um, but you know, so often we, we look at that and credit him, but I, I know that he'll be crediting that forward pack, man. Like Billy Harmon is just leading that pack. Hell of a skipper, Willie's coming of age. Um, you know, like some inexperience there, but man, the grit fight, it's typical Highlanders way. Um, and then with a guy like Aaron, I thought Flau was quite good as well. Uh, Flau Fakatava off the, off the bench. Um, I don't know. Things are things are looking to turn. I, I feel for um, the Highlanders, and, and they're building great depth. They've got a lot of injuries and guys that will come back and challenge their squad. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. They're now in the eight. Um, there's a lot to like. With the Highlanders, I think obviously Aaron Smith and him coming back and what he brings, especially in that 22-metre zone. We did, he did that last week against the force. Very simple, very going back to pretty much when Tony Brown was there. Get your forwards around the corner, good breakdown, clean, good body height, and then getting quick ball and Aaron being able to make decisions. Being able to put players away, but being able to um, go and stuff for that little stop that he was able to run the heart. And so that doesn't happen with unlike things with Jeff was saying with their full pack, being able to really bite down on the bullet and get the job done in that 22 meter zone. Because so I think earlier in the year, they're making a lot of mistakes around that. Unforced errors, um, missing little breakdown penalties here and there when they were attacking. And so they've kind of found their mojo. And it seems to be a great play for them. If they can get into that area um, and defend well, um, they're able to score points like they have against the like the force and draw. Now I know that's the force and draw, uh, which are two quality sides. But I think you know it'll be interesting to see when they do start to play the New Zealand teams if they can have that same efficiency in the 22 metres zone with Nagy, which he's been doing the last two weeks. When they won in 2015, their kicking game was exceptional. They did not play any rugby. Aaron Smith's kicking was outstanding. Mitch Hunt on the weekend, Sam Gilbert. They kicked for 642 metres. Every other side probably averaged this weekend around sort of just under 400. So they kicked a hell of a lot more. They had 12 rucks in their own half. Mm. 12 rucks versus 36 for the Indura. Two of those rucks were in their own 22. So they just said, no, if you guys want to chance your arm, chance it. But we're going to, you know, take possession of any turnovers that you give us and they were just ruthless in their own half but I, that's that's their that's their mojo when they get their kicking game right and they get that ball in front of their forwards they are really tough to beat underneath that roof and um, that that can't be ignored uh, previous weeks those rucks in their own 22 you know are, are double figures rucks in their own half are high you know, 30s as well. So there, were, there was definitely a shift in the style they were playing. And they have an opportunity now to build on that confidence because they're taking on Moana Pacifica. Now, Moana Pacifica, 59-0 at home against the Canes. It wasn't a repeat, Bryn, last year of when Moana Pacifica got up against the Canes and what turned out to be an historical win. What is going on there with Moana Pacifica? Why are they so far off the boil? Well, I just think discipline. I think discipline's a, a, a big part of that. And I think you look at a lot of their tries, their, their first their first two tries, three tries, were off, the, off an advantage play. 
You know, so attacking wise, when you can have the ability to have that advantage off long passages of phases, you're able to have a lot more confidence to throw the ball around and being able to chance your arm a little bit more. And so, and their defensive, their defensive efforts as well, I think they were operating at just under 80% or 79% tackling rate, you know. So when you're defending at those kind of numbers, it's really hard to be able to build pressure and form that. And so, um, and then the Hurricanes, they just, they had their moments, you know, what do they have there? Almost two to one, being able to have running meters, the defenders beating were like a lot more, the clean breaks. And so defensively, they were able to they were put under a lot of pressure. And so, but it's unfortunately sometimes, it's at different times, they're doing things well. And then the other parts of the area, they're not doing well. So consistently in different games, they're not being able to be able to um, have moments of consistently being good in all areas. And so I think that's the trouble for the minor at the moment. And so, um, yeah, it doesn't get any tougher. It doesn't get any easier for them. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how they go. On the weekend, I know it was a blowout, but it was the first time their set piece probably let them down. They've been running, they were operating at 91% going into that weekend at lineout time. Last year, they were in the 60s. So there's massive growth there. Um, scrum time, they were in, in the 90s as well. Those two areas, they struggled on the weekend. They didn't quite get what they wanted, which didn't allow them to play their game. They were first in the competition leading into that game for post-contact meetings. So there's a lot of their attacking sets that are really good. What the Hurricanes did really well is if you watch Brett Cameron out the back um, of, of Proctor, all those bodies in motion, Ray Arce, that's where they can utilise because at the moment they're winning collisions, Moana Pacifica, but they need Liliafano and Co to be active out the back mm. because it's just a brick wall. Teams are starting to pick up that, you know, the big ball carriers trying to use Almour as well. And as a defender, Bryn, you'll know this, like if there's no animation out the back of forward runners, you can just tee off. You can get off the line, chop, get your breakdown efficiency. So. If they can get some growth there, attacking-wise, and keep the success they've had at set-piece, that's the attacking side of the game. Defensively, they've got to get in and disrupt breakdown. Like they just they just let the ball uh, be too quick. Like Royal Guard shouldn't be running between two forwards. That's just They didn't have time to set. They didn't know... Do you know what I mean? Like That speed of ball just kills you. Um, but the animation, the work of guys like Billy Proctor, man, the Canes played well. You can't take away for how well the Canes played. Speaking of the Hurricanes and what's going well for them, Kenny Naholo, is he a mm. chance to take that spot from Julian Savia as we head further into the competition? Do you think that that is a, a thing that will happen? Well, I definitely think it's putting it into debate, isn't it? Because I think you know what you're going to get with Jules, and we've, we've talked about how well he's been playing in this, in this stage of his career and what he's been able to bring to him. But, you know, Kenny is an out-and-out finisher. Jeez, man, you get him a bit of space or even close to the line, he's got the ability to be able to beat you one-on-one, um, offload, he's been able to get over the advantage and bump you off. And so he probably just hasn't had a lot of chances at Super Rugby. I know he's been here with the Crusaders for a little bit, didn't get a lot of opportunities. Was it originally at the Chiefs, I believe? He was given an opportunity there. But obviously there's been a lot of players that have been about to play in front of him. But I think a guy like Kenny, the more opportunities that you can give him, um, we saw, I've seen, I saw it last year, the amount of times at training that he is able to beat players and score tries and get over the advantage line, um, it's almost just taken, it's like he needs his opportunity. He's been able to get it the last couple of weeks. And so you talk around Sean Stevenson and, and co, you know, you want to be able to be in a purple rain of form, rich rain of form. It's guys like Kenny like that. Um, I think you just keep staying with them. You know what you're going to get with Jules and Jules will get his opportunity throughout the year. But I think with a guy like Kenny, he's got a lot of potential, very similar to his brother Wasaki and being able to be a massive game breaker. And I think in those big games, sometimes you need something a little bit special like that. And Kenny definitely has that ability to do that in big games. Sometimes you're best to leave a young guy out there and just let him keep running hot until until he's not, you know, rather than saying, oh, we'll put you on the bench, we'll give you a rest this week, and then you bring him back the following week and he doesn't have the same rhythm. 
Mm. They're lucky in that both Julian and Kenny Naholo can also play left wing. So they've got quite a lot of flexibility there around the back. Yeah. Um, I, I think Ray Arce and Morby, though, yeah. they're two key cogs that just plug themselves in straight away. <laughs> like, Morby's a hell of a value for money player, Bryn. Yeah. No, he is. He is. He's um, he's deceptively fast, got a great kicking game, and he's he's a smart footy player as well. So I think he's at the Highlanders. He's definitely one that got away. He's down, at, he's down at State Country, and so obviously with the Highlanders now, sorry, with the Hurricanes. But yeah, obviously a guy like that, very similar to Kenny Nahola. The more the more experience he can get to be able to play in the backfield and have those those games have been able to build confidence. There's actually a lot of players in that Hurricanes um, team that's got a lot of mojo. You look at Cam Roy going in the Brett Cameron, their combination has come along really nicely and very young in their, in their careers. Well, not more so Brett, but Cam Roygaard, you know, giving these guys opportunities. I think you just keep going well with them until like Gypsy, until the wheels kind of fall off and you're able to bring a bit more experience back in. But I've been thoroughly impressed. Billy Proctor, man, he was my player of the round. Oh, I thought, hey, he is unbelievable. Man, he is seriously... He's another guy that we've talked around the midfield that could be in the possibility of being the All Blacks. His and his work rate, his deceptiveness, his ability to have animation. He runs great lines. It's great to see him to be able to have distribution to go up the back to Cameron with Ray Arce roving. But man, he's um he's a guy that I think for the Hurricanes is, is massive, a massive glue man in that in that team. And he's taken it to another level where he's definitely in consideration for hopefully I honours. Not this there, but post the Rugby World Cup as well. Speaking. Uh, of Billy Proctor, we spoke to Jason Holland after that match, and he goes, "Oh, it was quite hard convincing him to play there." I was like, "Holy dooly!" The guy had like ten carries and eight tackles in the first forty minutes. What Jason Holland said, he goes, "I always go through the tape, and every week I'm like, oh, who who made that tackle? Or who got that turnover?" And every time he reckons it's Billy Proctor, yeah, doing the stuff that you don't see. Um, and he just said he's just our yeah. unsung hero, yeah, which is big reps, yeah, um, from any coach. Totally, that's the stuff that gets you excited. It, it did get me excited actually <laughs> I love a man that just doesn't get too much praise that just gets pumped just up gets in there on that too. note I actually didn't get to um, have my moment with the Crusaders but I, I want to single out Tom Christie I saw the little way in there yeah. but mate this guy 18 tackles second in rucks hit three defensive rucks hit one turnover you've asked him to carry he's got nine carries of Week prior, he was like 28 tackles. Like he is a machine. Like he just doesn't get the. He's not the Dolphin Papali. He's not the same thing. I, I understand that, but man, he is critical to that Crusaders pack. He just fronts up week in, week out, and some of his defensive stats are just ridiculous. Like it's like him at 18 tackles, the next bloke's at nine. You know, like he's doing a lot of work. And I know Simmons get it down their channel, but man, he works hard. I mean, Bryn, you'll be able to talk to it, but. It was yeah. it was awesome to watch. Yeah, Tommy's he is definitely an unsung hero and obviously doesn't get the praises because you talk around all the dirty work, Jeff, you know, about Billy Proctor, man, he just does that consistently week in and week out. His turnover ball, obviously a feature as a seven is really important, but he always finds him his ways to be able to get himself into the game. That's just based around obviously aer aerobically. He's got the ability to be able to stay in play, stay in games. But yeah, he doesn't get obviously the um the praise of obviously your, your Dolder Papali, your Sam Keynes, but man, he's um, he's massive for that for that group. I know he's obviously a leader within the defensive unit with um, with Tommy Ellison. He's massive around what the the week look like, weeks looks like, and a smart footy player as well. So I'm glad you brought that up. An old flat mine of mine of mine actually as well. So Tom, mate, we're big lovers of the show here, mate. So keep keep chipping away. Good flatty, does the dishes. Oh, not bad actually. He was actually pretty good. He wasn't too bad. Yeah, good cook. 
He's loved, loves cooking. He's quite healthy. You're asking the wrong bloke. Cooking. I sat next to this bloke for 10 years and he is the messiest, <laughs> messiest locker I've ever seen. I used to have to kick his everything away from my locker. It's like, mate, I like mine pristine. And he's just, oh, sorry, mate, sorry, mate. Sure enough, I'll be back, you know, five minutes from scrapping and there's just... Messy. I wouldn't have picked that because look how beautifully presented he no, was. I'm, I'm, I'm probably actually, did it just to wipe me out. I'm just, um, when it comes to the rugby lock, I'm just an I'm all go. I'm just, man, I'm not that great. Jippy used to actually rip me, man. Jippy had a bad day and <laughs> no. that bloody sock was on his side of the side of the locker. He was absolutely... <laughs> sock and the four boots and bloody half a sushi roll or something. It's like, <laughs> he rested it all where I'm supposed to sit. It's yeah. like, mate, are you trying to make me blow? Yeah. You got some whiskey. And I've got a wick about man. that short, so it doesn't take a hell of a lot. Honestly, Ross, it got to like the time that I was there at Harbour, every single time I just every time that I'd just be sitting in my locker, if I see Jippers walking walking across, <laughs> coming right at me, I've just kind of taken a quick look at his locker and just seen if anything's there, anything around him. Every single time. Every day. I was on edge. Every day. <laughs> What, does, the skip, does the skip have power over that? Uh, we, well, we kept sitting next to each other, so I think we yeah, liked it. It sounded like you are a glutton for punishment. Yeah, it's your yeah. fault. Yeah, it probably is. You're asking for it. Well, it's because he's a code head. We'd just sit there and talk code when it was nice and clean and tidy. <laughs> and you might be able to score a free sushi roll on the side. <laughs> oh, you know, super hungry. Oh, my God. Whatever was left over. <laughs> anyway, we digress. <laughs> I quite like that. Uh, one of my favourite things about Tom Christie is he always comes out looking like a heavyweight boxer, oh, and and, no. and, the, and the, the person who lost the fight. Yeah, you know, yeah. he, he always... got up eight times. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. his eyes like swollen, <laughs> his ears ripped off. Like... Yeah, he's he's the Shane Cameron of New Zealand rugby. Like his face just <laughs> looks like he's been to war. Like he's led with it. The Mountain Warrior. The mountain Warrior. <laughs> Maybe that's his nickname, Tom Christie, the Mountain Warrior. It should be. It should be. He just runs into the punches. And comes out, yeah. gets up and carries on. Yeah. No, he's huge. He's huge. He's huge for that group. So may long and may it continue. Nice, very nice. Uh, now the Blues versus the Force. Uh, the Blues rested most of their top guys, yeah. um, so I'm not sure there's a lot that you can take out of it as far as form and what it means for them in the competition. But obviously it was an opportunity, like you say. Yeah, and and I think there's there'll be a couple of areas. I know Tom Coventry line out at eighty percent, scrum at seventy five percent. Um, you know, that's something that they'll want to focus on. Retallick and co are putting on a massive amount of pressure at line-out time. Um, you know, scrum time, they've got a pretty formidable pack. So it's a big week for them to turn that round. Um, I think the other thing that they'll be looking at, and I know Leon's big on this, is when you get in that kill zone, you know, in that 22 metres, they had 11 visits, but they probably just didn't get the reward. Um, both sides disrupted that breakdown ball um, really well, but... They are leading the comp in terms of visits to 22, but obviously not leading the comp and tries scored. And mm. Leo, uh, Bryn will know this. He's pretty ruthless. Like His expectation is you get in that 22, you come away with points. Uh, so those those two areas. But guys that got opportunity, I thought Stephen Petafetta was huge. Uh, look, um, he ended up having 12 runs at the line. Um, you know, People probably, the force maybe didn't know a lot about him like we do as a first receiver, and um, they let him, you know, do his thing, and I, I thought he was great. His, his flatmate, um, Jacob Rappenmeekins, is uh, that try um, was something else. NRL. Um, and then and then Sue Four and Signa, guys that you know just getting opportunity and, and, and just delivered. So there, there was a, there was a lot to like, um, but there were some easy areas that they need, they can fix up going into this Chiefs week with the uh, Talk about bonus points. And I think letting in that that try just on just on that 77th minute was probably you know one thing as well that they 
they probably were thinking, get a bonus point win, not playing. You know, obviously guys were given opportunity, did enough to be able to get that bonus point win, and obviously that getting that um, try score against them is probably one thing as well. But um, the will be a little bit angry. Yeah, and I think there's both sides defended at 91 percent. But I think a lot of that was, you know, we, I spoke about, um, you know, how Brett Cameron and co at the Hurricanes were so active out the back. Mm. Um, maybe it was too predictable at times. And I know Leon's massive on that active, you know, that active player at the back, but also the active two forwards and backs that are coming out this way. So um, I think they'll be doing a lot of work on that. So you don't just set, because a couple of times, man, Hamish Stewart absolutely chopped off for in half. And, and I didn't know how he could do that. Like, he is not a big man, mm. but he just went low. And I think it's because it's, it's easy when there's no threats out the back because you're like, I know this is just a one-on-one -on -one tackle and he just threw himself at it, which is courageous for him. But maybe that could have helped a little bit um, in terms of them being able to get more tries when they had the opportunities. I'm going down the table at the tipping comp. <laughs> so I'm down to 193. Our Super Rugby tipping comp joined the Aotearoa Rugby Pod League, if you still can, and just beat us. <laughs> Except for Jipper, who was up to number 43 after the perfect it's weekend. It's not that impressive, Six. though, I was at 43. Uh, oh, yeah, but you were, you were at 90-odd last week. You're, you're making your way <laughs> yeah, up. Yeah, making your no, way up. You're getting into a rhythm. Who, what, what's the points on first? 26. The, 26. So Chieftains, Schweizer and Jojo 24. Rabbit are on 26. You're only two points behind that. Uh, Bryn is on 23. I'm on 21. Way off the pace. It's a tough week. <laughs> this is a tough week, this one. <laughs> it is, it Especially is. Especially for my heart and head. <laughs> <laughs> the Chiefs Blues game is <laughs> tough. Yeah, well, if you want to have a look at this uh, tipping league, please come and join us. The winner of the overall league gets $5,000. The winner of our league will come on the show and get to say whatever they like about rugby and about us. So please. Okay, let's go with the first one. MP versus Highlanders. What are you picking? Landers. 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 Yep, Landers. Landers all round. Uh, Crusaders versus Reds. Crusaders at Reds, Bryn. Well, that'll be a good game. Uh, I'll go Crusaders, but it's always a good week. I know there'll be a lot of words said in that round, that rivalry, so it'll be a good, good week for them. Always a little bit of a bogey team for the Crusaders in Queensland. Similar humidity to Fiji. <laughs> Not a similar humidity to Christchurch <laughs> on a Saturday no, night in the middle of winter. No, no, but I'll go the Crusaders. <laughs> One of my favourite memories of Christchurch is during the Lions tour, sitting in the stands in the media box, holding on to some pumpkin soup that they had prepared for the media. Like just being able to use your fingers on your keyboard on your computer was, <laughs> was too hard. So you're holding on and then they'd, they'd score a try, you'd put it down, type, pick it back up and hold on for dear life. Oh, the good old days. <laughs> yeah, when, when the weather comes from the mountains Beautiful. oh and the wind comes through there just suddenly at orange theory you can't beat it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. well, the lions enjoyed it that night um because it reminded them of home the drawer uh versus the rebels this is tough it isn't in lautoka so it isn't suva and based on the intel we had from Bryn. Mm. is that the temperature and the humidity is a little bit less. So Very strong on his weather chat. So I'm going to continue to back the Rebels. I'm thinking we should probably give him a weather segment each week. <laughs> Nose is ice oh, and I, just, on, just to go back on the tipping briefly with the Rebels, I said on the podcast that I would back them and I, I was a coward and I went to the, I went to the Reds. So I, um, but I'm, I can't, I'm going to pick the draw just for the fact in Fiji. Just the Fiji element. Yeah, God, you really just there. don't like the Rebels, do you, mate? <laughs> oh, I want to pick them, man. They're playing good footy. They're a good rugby side, man. You said this I, last I week. I, was, I know, but 
it's it's Fiji. They're a different team in Fiji. Yeah, so I'm gonna go to draw. I'm gonna go to draw. <laughs> okay. Cheese versus the blues. Oh, I go to Bryn. My heart says the blues. I will go to the Chiefs. But I, I, I'll go to the Chiefs. I think it is gonna be a, a twenty six nil the blues won. Yeah. Down there last year. I don't think they've forgot on that. Yeah. Um Say it. and they've just got a bit more momentum. Who are you picking, Jim? Say it. Say it. I just can't do it. I'm going to expect the blues, <laughs> but <laughs> I just can't do it. I just, I just physically can't do it. <laughs> you wanted to. You oh, wanted to. Like oh. I can see the pain. Like your whole body reacts. Hey, this has been like bugging me for two days, knowing that I had to pick this game. <laughs> like, oh. This is the first time I've ever seen you like that. Yeah, you still picked them. Well, how, how could you not? Like, it's a heart pick. I'm not going to lie. Like, yeah. I, the Chiefs are the favourite in the tournament. They're at home. They're more than likely going to win, but, you know. There we go. Just can't do it. That's a step. That's, That's a, a step. step. That's the first step. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows what will happen in the coming weeks. This could be the difference between you catching Whangamana and... Nah, I just couldn't do it. Okay, okay. Couldn't look at myself in the mirror. Okay. Brumbies, Waratahs. Brumbies. 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 And the uh, Hurricanes I'm taking from both of you? Yes. Versus the Force. Yes. Sunday yeah. Arvo footy. Yeah. I'm loving that. Yeah, straight I know that the crowd might not have been there, but I love a bit of Sunday Arvo footy. Yeah, yeah. Get a bit of sun on the um, on the oh, biceps. Yeah, it's just great. I'm, ex- I'm expecting a Sonny Bill Williams singlet underneath the blazer um, <laughs> from you at some time. Absolutely so. not. No? Okay. So join us, please, at the uh, Aotearoa Rugby Pod League, and maybe you can join us at the end of Super Rugby Pacific and have a crack on the show here. Also send us an email at Aotearoa Rugby Pod at sky.co.nz. Comment within the YouTube uh, comments section and we'll have a look at those and boy we've had some cool comments this week so let's jump into that segment of the show right now. The Mount Rushmore of first fives that we discussed last week. Plenty of comments in the YouTube section. To remind people the Mount Rushmore that was come up with by both Bryn and Jipper was Carter, Wilkinson, Larkham, Sexton. Now, the debating point, which was an easy, an easy debating point, I suppose, but an interesting one all the same. People were saying that Sexton can't make it because he hasn't won a World Cup. Is that the be-all and end-all? No, if you look at his history, he's won a hell of a lot of trophies. Yeah. Um, you know, with Leinster as well. Like, and I, look, I'm just going based on what I've witnessed um, in terms of his impact on the Irish game. You know, he's been a big part of their turnaround against the All Blacks. Um, and, and the hard thing is, I just didn't. It's it's hard for me to know Liner Fox. Like I just didn't see them play. Like I was mm. I was a boy in short shorts. Yeah. Um, and I I love my code, but I haven't gone back yeah. in time to to watch it. So it, I think that's the beauty of things like this is it's you are going to probably stick with your generation, and it's hard to argue one way or the other. Um, but mm. Sexton may have a World Cup <laughs> at the end of the year. At the end of the year, and that will change everything. So people were saying. Not Sexton, possibly Liner, possibly Fox, Stansky, and another person said well, Porter. Stansky's a quite a good one. I suppose the key thing was that when we were talking about it, we were talking about professional era, and really Liner and Fox weren't in that, uh, Porter wasn't in that. Stransky straddled yeah. that for a very short period of time. Hell of um, a drop kick. Hell of a drop kick, won a World Cup. Is that enough? Yeah. To, to beat out Johnny Sexton? Because when you remember Joel Stransky, he only really had two or three years of international rugby. He, he wasn't in that team that but long. That's the good point that you bring there, Ross, is obviously, like, you look at Sexton, right, you're looking around, 
100 plus caps for, for, for Ireland, Six Nations, Grand Slam champion, had won a, a lot of titles um, with, with Leinster as well. So his, man, you talk about Mount Rushman, what he's done for the game, you know, I guess games-wise and playing games, he's played a lot more than Stransky. Look, and obviously Stransky did win a World Cup and that's the kind of, the way that he would enter that route, Mount Rushmore discussion. But I think for me, um, Johnny Wilkinson, not Johnny Wilkinson, um, sorry, um, Sexton brings a lot to that credibility around his success in not only Ireland, but then at club land as well. And obviously world player of the year as well. So, you know, it's pretty every hard to not have him in that, in that. Every team he's in, like if he's not playing, Lions, they are, the Lions as well. They're struggling. Mm. Like that is a hell of a thing to be able to say. The other option that was thrown up, which is definitely not in the professional era, appropriately named Fossilmatic from YouTube, brought up Barry John. Now, there's no doubting Barry John was a long time before I was <laughs> watching footy. My mum is Welsh and she thinks Barry John is a legend. So uh, apparently the Carlos before Carlos, the, the running first five, the guy who meant that Carlos, Larkham and Carter could play the way they did because he led the way. So, you know, fair play to, to Barry John. Um, you're not in the professional era, so we can't really include it. We don't think we can compare, but, you know, you had a big influence. We'll so. put him on top. Yeah. Get a big boulder on top of the other four. <laughs> and build up. So, yeah, at least that's acknowledging it. Now, there's a couple of other interesting segments, particularly the 20-minute red card. There was a lot of reaction to the 20-minute red card, talking about how, you know, if it's deliberate, longer. If it's not deliberate, make it. 20 minutes um, and that would be fair. So how do we get a campaign going <laughs> to World Rugby and World Cup year if the fans are on board I, with this 20 minute card? I think if you look at Super Rugby Pacific and what this system of yellow card, deal with it off the field, red 20 or it stays at a yellow card is just the perfect example because you can still red card for the whole game for any sort of mm. you know vicious acts that are deliberate. I don't know, I like it. And speaking to all the players, they just love that it just cuts down the time. There's no looking at screens. And, you know, we we are sometimes hard, you know, like we were a bit, probably a bit hard at the start of the show on Super Rugby Pacific because ball and play is increasing. I think it was you who told me it's the most points Super Rugby Pacific's seen in the first five rounds yep. for, what, a number of years. Yes. Um, you know, there's more tries. I, I don't know, like... You've got to start somewhere. Yeah. There are improvements in this comp, and, and this is a big one. The 20-minute red card and that whole system. It's not just the 20-minute red card, but it's that whole system of keeping us engaged, keeping us on the game and, and moving forward. I think that's a, that's a fair point, and I suppose that's what made the weekend kind of disappointing for me was that this role was on, and it, just, and it shot itself in the foot. You know what I mean? It was, yeah. it was entertaining, it was engaging, it was high-scoring, at times close and riveting, and then... You know, it just kind of deflates the balloon a little bit. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, 7.30 Saturday night, the balloon will be pumped up. <laughs> Cheese versus blues. I'll give you the tip. Yeah. Holy dooly. I think it's 7 o'clock. 7 o'clock. I'd, I'd be half an hour late. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's right. You can tuck the kids in and watch it on my <laughs> yeah, sky. Yeah. And, and no, I'll right. be catching that live, don't you worry? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> With that being said, plenty of good footy coming this week. Looking to see all those top teams back out there, looking to see some great tries. So stay tuned to Sky. Make sure you get on rugbypass.com and see all of the analysis and catch us at the Aotearoa Rugby Pod on YouTube. You can catch us on Audio Pod, catch us on Sky Sport, catch us wherever you like, wherever it works for you. And uh, we'll keep on bringing you as much engaging rugby content as we can. Thank you very much, James Parsons, as ever. 
Bryn Hall over in Japan. Stay out of the sin bin, mate. You, you. <laughs> you know. Get hydrated after a few too many Karens too, my old mate. <laughs> you did well. You did well. Rightio, and thank you very much. We'll see you again next week. Matewa. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia. Movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details.